You're tuned into tomorrow. Right here on the Advanced Media Network. You don't need to be tech-savvy to record and publish your own podcast, but we're guessing listeners of Into Tomorrow would pick it up easily. And it's also less costly than you might imagine. Plans start at just $12 a month. Go to Blueberry.com, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com, to start your free trial. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive radio network program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Our 27th year on the air, bringing you further into tomorrow for the weekend of Friday, May 6th, 2022, Mother's Day weekend. So happy Mom's Day to all the moms tuned in and even those not tuned in. But if you're tuned in, you're hearing us say happy Mom's Day to you. And some dads out there that have also had to fill the role of mom, too. Over the well, there, that's true. There's that as well. And don't worry, dads, we got you covered, too, on Father's Day next month. Do stay tuned. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. And we got you some tech news and commentary and then a whole bunch of other folks, Heidi in Pennsylvania and others standing by, asking questions as we address your issues, your concerns involving consumer tech and inviting you to participate on the program anytime at your convenience, 24-7. It's easy to do. And I know you like to join us, not just because you get great prizes when we hear you on the air. I mean, that's a good reason. But because you make the show, your involvement, your participation is really what Into Tomorrow is all about. How does one participate? There's three very easy ways. Okay. There's really multiple ways, but these are the three easiest. Yeah. You could uh, dial the number 800-899-INTO. That's 800-899-4686. The number. The number. That's the number. Uh, You could use the free Into Tomorrow app for iOS and Android devices. There's a message to studio button there. Makes it sound like you're sitting right here next to us in the studio, right on Dave's lap. your lap. I had to say it before you did. Yeah. Or you could stop by intotomorrow.com. There's an Ask Dave microphone right there on the right-hand side or lower right-hand, depending well, on your Well, it's browser. not really a microphone. It's a graphic. Well, it looks like a microphone. Yeah. 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 And you could do very similar to the app. You can record right there. So make sure you have a microphone connected to whatever you're visiting us on. Well, you probably have a microphone connected if you're using a smartphone or a tablet. And very much likely if it's a laptop or a desktop, because you can use any of those as long as it has a mic and a browser. Yeah. Participating that way. But if you do that method with the Ask Dave mic button, if you will, we ask you to give us your first name, where you're joining us from, and how you hear the show. Right. And we don't mean that you hear the show with your ears from the living room. Because we've had people (laughs) say that. Yeah. That's not helpful. (laughs) Exactly. Or others that say, on the radio. And I'm calling you from my couch. No, no, no. We're, we're asking for a, uh, yeah. We're asking for a city, and what station? If it's a radio station or a podcast or stream, how do you hear the show? Because that is helpful, right? Yes. And when you call in, you know, and you do have to, you know, ask more than just, "Hey, did I win a prize?" Because we've had a few of those too. Yes. That question won't, won't get you on the air, won't get yeah. you a prize. Although we're tempted to put them on the air to, to show people what not to do. Yeah. But then by our own rules, they will have gotten a prize because their call would have been because, heard on the air. Yeah. So we have to follow the rules. We have network policies here, folks. And basically, it's fun. And it's yeah. just us. So come on. Join us. Let us hear you on the air. And then let us send you prizes. Yeah. 
gosh, our postage bill continues to skyrocket. Uh-huh. That's, I think, our single most, well, I guess payroll first. But yeah. then our single most expensive bill is shipping. Oh, just wait till we get into the summer giveaway this year. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that always kills us. <laughs> yeah. Always go way over budget during the summer giveaway. But that's okay because it's for our listeners. Yeah. And it's what we do every year. You think I would have learned by now. Yeah. And, you know, we can't tell you yet what we've got lined up. But, uh, you know, all I can tell you is that we've been playing with one of the items that's going to be given away during the summer giveaway. And, oh, my God, it's fun. Yeah. Well, we've we've been playing with an evaluation review unit of one of the items because we're sending the winner a brand new one in a box item. Right, because, you know, they're going to be able to have the one that we have because I don't even know if we're going to send it back to the company. They 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 want it back. They may send their lawyers, you know, (laughs) to us to get it back. (laughs) But as hard as it was for us to unpack it, and it wasn't hard, it's just that it was like, oh, my gosh, look at there's these all these parts and we had to assemble it. You think they packed it for shipping or something? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you this, it's worth $1,600, yeah. and it's fun, and you feel the uh, the wind in your hair. Oh, my gosh, I'm starting to give if too much hair. away. If you have hair, right. If not, you feel the wind just in your face. Yeah. U.S. consumers are focusing on picture quality and screen size rather than price when buying TVs these days. That, according to a new report from NPD Group. TVs now last an average of 6.4 years before typically being replaced, down from 6.8 years during February 2020, and sets that cost more than $1,000 are the most popular they've been since 2017. Again, focusing well, on picture quality and screen size. Size does matter. Well, it's funny because in my bedroom, I've got a 50-inch Vizio TV. It's been in my bedroom now for probably four years. Okay. Before that, it was in my living room for probably seven years. Oh, well, then you went beyond and, the 6.4-year well, average. And before that, it was in your living room for, I don't know, probably four or five years. Yeah, because you get all my hand-me-down tech. Right. Yeah. So this thing's way lasted past its uh, useful life. Well, and, t- and talking about size, screen sizes, you know, I've got the 65-inch in my living room. You also have a 65-inch. And it's not big enough. I know. I mean, we get so spoiled. It's like, man, imagine this movie on an even bigger screen. Well, of course, I have the drop-down actual projection screen, which then becomes 110 inches. But we don't use that nearly as often as we should. We should do that on movie or game night sometime. Drop the screen down. Can't find the remote for it. Uh, (laughs) So that's a problem. So we have to manually, I guess, crank it down somehow. But we get so spoiled. And since now this is a major issue, picture quality and screen size, rather than price, for most people, again, we're talking about on average, according to this new report, yeah, we want bigger. We always want bigger. Except I need a bigger wall at home to put one on. Yeah, me too. That's my problem in my living room. There really isn't enough space to put anything bigger, though I'd like it. Yeah. Oh, well. But keep that in mind, and and I'll bet most people listening would agree with that scenario and that new report. I'm wondering what you think. How do you feel about that? Call in and let us know. Are you looking for or have you recently obtained a bigger TV? Was it size that mattered more than price? And was it picture quality more than price? And was there then what did you do with the TV you were using? Did it now go to the master bedroom or the kids' room? 
Well, I remember, you know, back when I was married, my then wife, you know, with the 55 inch in the bedroom, she goes, oh, my God, it's like sleeping in a movie theater. And I'm thinking, I know, isn't it great? <laughs> oh, gee. So she never caught on that that was a good thing? No. Because, see, I've got a 55 in my bedroom as well. And, and I think, how did I ever watch a TV that was smaller than that? And, and of course, we did. Even, my gosh, the old CRT, cathode ray tubes, that were smaller than that. And grew, growing up with, I was lucky to have like a 12-inch tube TV in my bedroom and thrilled about it. But now I have a 55-inch LCD, the whole bit. I mean, yeah, you get spoiled. Yeah, because I remember, you know, before this one made it into my bedroom, the TV I had there died. So I had to borrow my, you know, my son's TV, which was, I think, 24-inch. I put that in my room. It's like... I can't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, then you have to sit at the foot of your bed. You can't yeah. just watch it for by laying in bed. You have to get right up on it so it's a big screen. Yeah. That's sad. Uh-huh. Yeah. What a, tech world problems. Yeah. SoundCloud has acquired audio AI company Muzio, which uh, makes tech that can listen to new music and purportedly identify the hits. Well, it, what Shazam? <laughs> well, well, Shazam identifies music. This right. one apparently can take certain trends and identify and say, "Hey, this song is going to be a hit." Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. So, so it doesn't tell you anything about the song, just right. other it's, than they think or it thinks it's going to be a right. hit. The acquisition, according wow. to the company, is meant to help SoundCloud sort through its immense library of amateur music, and will quote become core to SoundCloud's discovery experience. As DIY music distribution platforms like SoundCloud lower the barrier to entry for amateur artists and flood platforms with new music, identifying and promoting the good stuff has always been uh, challenging. It's even more so now. SoundCloud claims that Muzio's tools can quickly sift through countless of hours of mostly bad music Mm -hmm. and pick out the songs that have the patterns and characteristics that correlate with chart toppers. Yeah, but isn't that very subjective? I mean, for the most part, I think, because you, you like that country and Western stuff, and I'm not a fan, and, and, but I'm also not a fan of rap, but I like some current pop and, and certainly just other upbeat stuff, whatever, but, but everybody's different, so how does this thing with ai determine what's going to be a hit it, it apparently you know, i guess goes through you know the the, the charts and it picks out the top songs in all these charts and it picks songs that are very similar i guess in tone or beats hmm. i don't know but songs that are similar to the ones that are chart toppers interesting so that's how we're going to select music in the future apparently we're going to ask our computer to get stuff we like and it's different if it's like, well, this is similar genre, or this is similar beats, or I guess that's fine. Just like what uh, Prime, Amazon Music, whatever the heck yeah, it is, like we'll, we'll recommend. Down, which, yeah. which I've noticed, you know, they used to have thumbs up and thumbs down right next to each other when when a song was playing, but now the thumbs up is still there, so you can say I like this song. But if you want to tell it you don't like the song, it takes like three clicks to get to where the thumbs down is. Well, that's not helpful. I know it's because they're <laughs> trying to make you not like or not not like songs or something. They're trying to make you not. Not like songs. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Typical Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. Meta is enhancing its Spark AR studio for Instagram creators with a variety of tools. The occlusion feature helps blend virtual objects into real-world environments. Depth controls help create more responsive effects. And here we go again with audio. The audio engine blends sounds for you with Instagram. So at least they're all trying to compete with each other and try to keep you interested in using their various antisocial platforms. Well, and speaking of Instagram, a new Instagram test would make the app look even more like TikTok. 
According to TechCrunch, Instagram is experimenting with full-screen vertical home feeds. Upon entering the uh, or upon opening the Instagram app, users immediately see vertical content meant to quote bring video more front and center. Mm-hmm. Instagram head Adam Mosseri confirmed the tests in a video posted to Twitter. Which why couldn't he just post the, the video to Instagram? You would think, um, yeah, saying that taller photos and videos would begin appearing in some feeds. Taller photos and videos. Yeah. So I guess more like, like when you open TikTok, all the videos, everything's full screen. So yeah. I guess they're doing that now with, with Instagram or testing it with Instagram. Oh, I see. Rather than also the verbiage and the yeah. info. Oh, well, so come on. For, just, for those of you that still use Instagram. It, but I haven't been on Insta in a while. Well, I'm on Insta. And again, same thing. Mention the show. I'll follow you back if you follow me. It's everything with me. All the anti-social media platforms at Dave Graveline. The at sign, Dave Graveline, no spaces, just one word, one name, and see what I post occasionally. Look at my stories, if you will. A lot of people are doing that lately, posting stories, and I'm trying to do the same uh, occasionally with fun guests on the show or new prizes or whatever. I'm trying to post a little less than 30 seconds so I don't hopefully bore anyone. A little... <sighs> Thanks. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, thanks. As I was saying, a little 30-second promo, if you will, about who or what's on the show this week or what you can win this week. Who or what, yeah. Um, stuff like that. But I put those on stories because they disappear in 24 hours. So you don't want to miss them. I also put I th- what I think are some humorous things periodically, too, just to make people go, hmm. Well, if you want to follow me, look for me on uh, Google+. Plus. <laughs> or MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> or what I think Elon Musk should rename Twitter to MySpaceX. Yeah. I think that would still be very clever. I still like what he said that uh, Donald Trump should have named Truth Social. Trumpet. Yeah. That would have been more – it would have made more sense. And maybe it would be on Android by now because it still isn't. And then but at of, least you got on yeah. with then, your iphone And then maybe instead of liking something, you can toot a horn or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's true yeah do they have like i don't, I don't what, know i, I no, I, I think it's called truth or you, so, well, you tap i know the truth or? i think is your post so oh, like, okay. instead of like a tweet it's a truth i don't know i when i got on the app i haven't been on since that day so it's you know. well now you have homework again <laughs> now you must do some little research and actually tap whatever it is that would be a like or a thumbs up or a friend or a whatever just so you can know. report back and let folks know. I don't know. I mean, I don't. And, and this is not a political statement. I just don't see that app lasting. No, <laughs> I do just, think I, he should be back on Twitter. Yeah, but he said that he has no intention of doing that. But that might just be to tease everyone. Well, you know, it's like the, the Elon Mike, wants him back. Yeah. Well, and you saw Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, went back on under a different name, and then immediately yeah. got banned again. <laughs> Frankly, you would think with all this going on and Elon Musk taking it private and saying it's about free speech, that the morons at Twitter, the twitheads, would just say, whatever, you know, fine, let them on. Who cares? Because they don't care anyway now. They're too busy crying in a corner somewhere. Heidi in Erie, Pennsylvania. Welcome into tomorrow. I want to watch TV out on my back deck, and I haven't been able to get all of the local channels. So I'm not sure what antenna I should use or if I should just move the Roku outside that I have inside. I was actually on your show earlier and asked about cable, and I did finally cut the cable cord. Good for you. 
I think that's very important. We certainly recommend that. But, Heidi, any old rabbit ears type of antenna should do the trick. Now, you don't need anything special to pick up your local channels outside, assuming you're in an area to do so. If you search, you'll find plenty of antennas that promise range for 120 miles, 200 miles, big numbers like that. Well, feel free to just ignore those. Antennas are subject to what is called line-of-sight propagation. And what that means for you is that if you live in a two-story house in a flat prairie, for example, and you put your antenna on the top floor, you may be able to watch stuff that's coming, ooh, I don't know, 60, 70 miles away. Anything over that and the curvature of the earth will block out the signal. It is possible to get greater ranges, but it usually involves a mast or setting up at the peak of a mountain, for example. Yeah, for what you're looking for, basically any basic cheap antenna should do the trick. And you won't benefit by getting any of those that advertise crazy ranges. If you can mount it higher, that'll probably help you out a little bit, as it will help the signal clear obstacles. But you probably don't need to do that in a place like Erie that is pretty densely populated and probably a target for local broadcasts. Broadcasters. Just get a simple regular antenna without any gimmicks. Or if you get one of the ones that make crazy claims, don't expect that you'll actually be able to pick up Cleveland channels just because it happens to be in range of their claims. Now, there's a great site that I came across, nocable.org. You can put in your address, and it will tell you which local stations in your area and if you'll be able to pick them up with an antenna. It's got four different categories for those stations. Likely to receive, 50-50 to receive, challenging to receive, and my favorite, don't even try. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least they're <laughs> honest about it. Yeah. And that's good. So, again, no cable.org and we'll get you there too when you visit us at intotomorrow.com let us know do you take a lot of medicine or take care of someone that does hero is the new smart device that makes life easier by pre-sorting a 90-day supply of up to 10 different pills just pour them in and hero does the rest so easy to use and saves me so much time i never miss a dose i'm never late for a dose anymore and that is so critical to me what I like best about my Hero is that it's so easy to set up and it's so easy to use. And I don't have to worry about my pills or get distracted and forget, did I take that pill or not? Because it reminds me. It alerts and dispenses with the push of a button. Plus, Hero sends a friendly alert to you and a caregiver. Hero is amazing, but you could even live out of state with the person and still program their Hero from the convenience of your phone. I feel better than I have ever felt simply because I have this device. Try Hero risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, you don't don't keep it. Call 800-613-2715. That's 800-613-2715. 800-613-2715. Call now. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by our podcast partner, Blueberry Podcasting. We couldn't be happier with their service. Check them out if you're looking to start a podcast. Visit blubrry.com. And as you're doing that, uh, stay tuned for the next segment. Uh, Dave will be chatting with Dr. Mackenzie Leistrup. She's the VP and General Manager of Civil Space with Ball Aerospace. Which I didn't know they do as much as they do. Yeah. She's here talking about NASA's Imaging X-ray Polarimetry Explorer, which will allow astronomers to discover the hidden details of the most exotic astronomical objects in our universe. Yeah, us insiders just call it XP. Yeah. See, and I always yeah. thought that I was the most exotic astronomical object in the universe. Well, you thought wrong, yeah. clearly. <laughs> 
And hey, I've got a great way for folks listening to participate and win prizes. If they don't have a tech question, if they don't happen to have help for other listeners or share any tech rage, how about this? A 20 to 30 second holiday message, a little greeting of some sort that we would put music behind. So all we want is your voice only. And again, you can use our app. You can use the 800 number. You can use the uh, the Ask Dave button at, uh, at intotomorrow.com just to participate and mention, you know, happy holidays with a little message, whatever you want to say along those lines. Give us your first name and where you're calling from. And let us know what tech gift you want Santa to bring you this year. Yeah, that's that one would, of my favorite things to do, hearing from our audience what they want. That's true. What do you want Santa to bring you? So that would be amazing, and we hope that you would participate that way. And then you win prizes for hearing yourself on the air, doing what we call a rejoin, which is where we rejoin the show after a commercial break. So it's really very easy to do. Got it? So you can say, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. And maybe a message for the troops, maybe a message for the rest of our audience, a message from your family to ours, whatever you want to say. Just try to keep it around 30 seconds. Okay? And that would be great. Again, use the Into Tomorrow app or visit us at intotomorrow.com and just use the Ask Dave mic button. You can do that on any device with a browser and a microphone. Either way, visit us at intotomorrow.com. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you may want a company who's there when you need them who actually picks up the phone when you call. Well, that's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or go to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline. This our 26th year on the air, bringing you the latest in cool consumer tech, including products and services, gadgets and gizmos, all sorts of things involving science and tech, whatever the case, available today and into tomorrow. And of course, when you call in and participate, you make the program, you make the show. Your questions, comments, help for other listeners, whatever the case, we love hearing from you, and you can do that anytime, 24-7, when you've got a question, a concern, help for another listener, whatever the case, some tech rage you might want to share, do join us again at your convenience, 800-899-INTO, 1-800-899-4686. Or, of course, you can use the Into Tomorrow app and mash on that button that says Message to Studio. A new NASA mission will allow astronomers to discover the hidden details of the most exotic astronomical objects in our universe. That, in and of itself, certainly caught our attention. NASA's Imaging X-ray Polymetry Explorer, or XP, it's I-X-P-E, is a collaboration between NASA, the Italian Space Agency, and Ball Aerospace. Vice President and General Manager for Civil Space with Ball Aerospace is Dr. Mackenzie Listrup. Dr. Listrup, welcome into tomorrow. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you? 
I'm well. Thanks for, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, this is fascinating. Uh, I don't know if I did it justice in, in explaining when I introduced you, but tell me a little bit about what Ball Aerospace does, and then let's get into XP. Yeah, absolutely. It is very exciting. Uh, Ball Aerospace is a company that builds really everything from scientific instrumentation, spacecraft, full missions, research and development, all things in space. Awesome. <laughs> well, that kind of opens the gamut of all sorts of cool things. And and but I understand this is the first space mission that's dedicated to observing polarized X-rays. Now, what does that mean, and how is that helpful? Right. So X-rays are generated by some of the most extreme and mysterious objects in the universe. So black holes, dead stars with extreme gravity called neutron stars, and the leftovers from exploded stars called supernova remnants. Hmm. So those X-rays can't be observed from here on the ground. So we have to use a space telescope to do that. What's really uh, unique here is that we're not going to be just taking images like pictures, X-ray pictures of these objects. We're also going to measure the polarization of those X-rays. Now, polarization um, has to do with the electric and magnetic fields of the light, and that can be traced back to the physics that's actually being generated uh, in these objects. We haven't been able to do that before. Wow. So this is really to help investigate physics then in these, I guess, extreme environments. That's right. You know, it it really is going to help us understand some fundamental physics in addition to understanding this kind of astronomy. And of course, you know, understanding fundamental physics can lead to all kinds of unexpected things. So much of our technology, whether that's our phones or advanced medical technology, has come from, you know, space studies and our understanding of basic physics. So this is is going to do just that. Love it. And of course, you know, with our show, we talk about things happening in to tomorrow. You couldn't get more into tomorrow than something like this. I think it's truly fascinating. So the uh, IXPE is where we talked about NASA's Imaging X-ray Polymetry Explorer, but you call you call it XP. Um, the collaboration between you guys with NASA and Ball Aerospace, is, is this like you've been working together for quite some time on this? And what do you expect to come of it? Yeah, we have been working on it for a while. Scientists from NASA and engineers from Ball, we've been working on learning how we could engineer a telescope to be able to do this kind of science. And we've been at it for, you know, three, four years. And of course, there was a lot of study that led up to that uh, beginning of the mission. So, um, you know, it's going to be on orbit for two years after it launches on December 9th. And we're really hoping to understand the detailed physics of why these objects uh, emit such strong amounts of energy. How did they evolve? We really don't understand that yet. Wow. So this is certainly going to help to that degree. I'm wondering now if if XP is designed in a particular way, and if so, uh, how does that lend itself to this mission? Yeah, it is designed in a certain way. Since x-rays can't be observed here on the ground, we need to go into Earth orbit so that it can stare out and observe these uh, objects for long periods of time because they're quite far away. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to the nature of x-rays themselves, in order to focus those x-rays, the telescope has to be designed so that the mirrors that capture them 
And then the instruments that uh, collect all the data, they have to be separated by about 13 feet. So ICSPI looks like a kind of stretched out spacecraft when you look at it. Uh. But it's too long then to fit inside of a spacecraft fairing. So how do you do that? Well, the two ends of the telescope are connected by an origami-like boom. And that boom folds up to a length of only about 12 inches so that it can fit inside of the rocket. Then once it's on orbit, it extends out to that 13 feet distance so that we can observe. So from 12 inches to 13 feet when it opens itself up. That's right. That's right. Again, you know, very origami-like and uh, a really clever way of doing this kind of science. Wow, that is so cool. And I'm looking at a picture of it on the website. Of course, we'll provide that link. It's a very long kind of convoluted link. (laughs) So we'll provide that to our audience when you visit intotomorrow.com and just look for the interview with Dr. Listrup. Uh, But it does have a very unusual look to it. Uh, Now, let's talk about, because we hear a lot about the Hubble spacecraft over the years and the telescope and then this telescope going out. So how is it different than those? I mean, obviously, uh, this one's going to be doing, as you mentioned, x-rays and looking into more things. But I'm wondering, how does it compare or does it even compare to these other well-known telescopes? Different physical phenomenon. So for us, you know, taking an infrared image of a black hole only tells us so much. To understand the physics, we really need to go into the X-ray because they're very, very energetic and and due to the the kind of properties of the of uh, the objects that we're looking at. Hubble Space Telescope, um, which actually Ball Aerospace built all of the current science instruments on the Hubble. Oh wow! Um, Hubble was designed to look at a really broad range of astronomical phenomenon and also to look deep into the universe to observe uh, distant galaxies. Very cool. Well, see, now that we're learning about all the things that you guys do at Ball Aerospace, we've got to have you on more frequently because there's more to learn, no question. And you talk about black holes. I'm guessing that we have to only look into them. We can't fly something into them because I guess they'll disappear. <laughs> that's that's right. Yes, we're definitely not going anywhere near one. Oh, um, black holes are regions of space where the gravity is so strong and extreme that nothing can escape from it, not even light. And we've known that for a while, um, but we haven't known a lot about the detailed extreme physics. So what we're doing is going into low Earth orbit. So we're only at an altitude above Earth of about 540 kilometers. You just need to get outside of, of Earth's atmosphere. And then we stare out from Earth orbit uh, to these objects. We have to look for a really long period of time because they're far away and uh, and pretty dim once the light gets to us. And does it take a while? I mean, is there lag time as we typically hear about before you utter uh, a command, for example, for this particular uh, telescope uh, to be able to do something? I mean, that's got to have you guys sitting on pins and needles sometime. It's like, okay, we've asked it to look here. How long does it take before it can see something? Right. Luckily, it's since it's not too far away, it doesn't take a long time for the commands to go up to the spacecraft and for the data to come back down. But it can only do that when it's over a receiving station on Earth. So as it orbits, once it comes into range of one of those receiving stations, it'll send down the data and we can send up commands. And then, of course, a lot of the software has been designed uh, to be uh, automated on the telescope. 
Oh, I would imagine so. This is truly fascinating. We look forward to chatting with you again, and good luck with the launch. You say that's coming up December 9th, so it's uh, very soon. Got You guys are, are certainly, as I mentioned, pins and needles uh, in anticipation of this, and now so are we, since we know so much more about it. It's really very fascinating. Yes, thank you. It's our pleasure. Where can our audience learn more about it? So you can go to ball.com, B-A-L-L.com, or nasa.gov. And the launch will be broadcast live on NASA TV. It is in the early morning hours, so uh, might not be able to to get up and watch it, but it'll be rebroadcast over the NASA YouTube channel. Ah, love it. And of course, we will send you a particular link. Anybody in our audience that wants to visit us at intotomorrow.com will have the link that gets you to this particular XP program. Dr. Listrup, thanks so much for joining us on Into Tomorrow, and we wish you much success, and we'll be following along with you. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Wow, fascinating. So do visit us at intotomorrow.com. It's a long link to get the specifics, but we'll get you there and then you can learn even more. And of course, stay tuned because we will follow up as things progress with this particular mission. Intotomorrow.com. I'm Dave Graveline. We continue to bring you further into tomorrow. Stay tuned right here on the Advanced Media Network. Now that we're home more than ever, we need to feel safe. Call it a sign of the times or the world we now live in. What do you want to keep safe? Wouldn't it be nice to have tested, trusted 24-7 protection? Peace of mind, real protection that's always there for you and your whole family? Well, now you can with one of our state-of-the-art home security systems. Call 800-970-8405. That's 800-970-8405. As always, Into Tomorrow reminds you to check your spam filter and don't forget to also back up your important data. More and more people are telling us they find us in their spam filter. And don't forget to mute your phones when you go into a studio to do a radio show. You mean the little ding you just heard? Yeah. Well, that's because the guys out front are washing the cars, and it, it happened to be one of them dings for motion, which I thought I snoozed. <laughs> so, yes, we always remind you of all sorts of important things. And you might ask, who are we? Well, we is Dave Graveline. And Chris Graveline. There you go. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Autonomous, how today works from home. See your new home office at autonomous.ai. <laughs> Here's Chris Grave line. Line, line, line. IFA, IFA, history, history, history. When the DVD was introduced in the mid-90s, it was first used for data storage, as its capacity was five times higher than that of a CD. <laughs> Ah. In 1997, the first DVD burners for PCs came to the market, followed by the first consumer DVD players, which had their world premiere at the International Funkausstellung in 1997. Nerd alert! Yes, now known as IFA. I just, I told you, I love saying the, the full International I know. Funkausstellung. And, and fortunately, they never got mad at me because I always just said that means the International Farfignugen. And Of course, they didn't know why I was saying that. But anyone who ever heard a Volkswagen commercial many, many years ago... That's what they were doing. It was farfignuganing. Yeah. <laughs> but when those DVDs came out, uh, movie content was protected by regional codes, and copy protection and the quality was perfect, even 
after multiple copies. Great googly moogly. That's this week's IFA update brought to you by Messe Berlin. Be sure to visit ifa-berlin.com. Parental guidance is suggested. And the reason why parental guidance is suggested is because we want you to bring your family to Berlin. There's no parental guidance needed, but you need to plan a vacation or holiday, as some listening around the world might call it, because it is open to the public, unlike CES and all other trade shows, pretty much. Join us there, yeah? Yeah, and when you stop by, come by and see us at our IFA Broadcast Center booth. Donald in New Mexico listens online, and we love you for it, using the Ask Dave button. At intotomorrow.com. Hey, Donald. And some computers to make a CD, a DVD, eject when it doesn't want to eject. You can use a paper clip in a little hole and force it to eject. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a sound system, a Bose specifically, and it has four slots for CDs. And one of them is stuck. I can hit the eject button, and it'll eject all the others, but not one of them. What can I do? Is there a similar trick to ejecting a CD when it doesn't want to eject? Yes, it's called a mallet. Make sure it's a rubber mallet, though. You don't want to do too much damage. No, no, don't, no. Don't suggest no. that? Oh, all right. Well, Donald, there probably won't be anything like you're describing to get that tray to eject. Bose obviously made many different systems over the years, and your mileage may vary, but holding down the eject button for about 30 seconds will oftentimes reset the software in some Bose models. Now, if this is being caused by a software glitch, that reset might solve the problem. Realistically, that probably won't do it. And your options from that point become brute force. Aha! See? I said mallet, but not necessarily in that manner. Uh, Or to try to take it to Bose or even a third-party store for some hopeful servicing. Yeah, Bose may not take it anymore. Uh, Like most audio products, theirs have moved away from CDs and towards digital files and streaming. So you may struggle to find official support for an older system. Third-party repair shops can probably handle it, though. Uh, The solution is probably going to be to force the tray out and see what's been jamming it. Worst case, the shop may be able to replace it with a generic replacement. Yeah. And, of course, Donald, uh, if our suggestions so far don't work, stay tuned because I love our listeners and so will you. Because listeners helping listeners, some great calls, and maybe someone else has a similar or had a similar issue, and they can tell us how they took care of it other than replacing the stuff altogether, which is generally not an option. We always try to come up with more options for you. Check everything out, including all three hours of the weekly broadcast. Yep, three hours at intotomorrow.com. We can also snag our free podcasts. Attention. Do you owe back taxes, fines, and penalties to the IRS? The IRS now offers new relief options for taxpayers affected by COVID-19, but you can't go it alone. Call Tax Solutions now. Our team of former IRS agents and tax professionals can get you the best deal. We know the COVID-19 rules. Call us and never speak to the IRS again. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions now and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions now and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. 
The virus has caused the IRS to take extensive action to help taxpayers. So if you owe $10,000 or more, this is the best time in years to settle your tax debt. I qualified for the Fresh Start program. I paid less than I owed. Remember, the IRS will not give up until you pay. Call 800-683-9499-800-683-9499-800-683-9499. With yet another reminder to always back up your important data and always frequently, is that always frequently? That's correct, I think. Check your spam filters often and regularly. Because you might find important emails that you wondered, why haven't you been getting? And there they be. So mark them as not spam, including anything from Graveline.com. Right, like the email I had sitting in my spam filter from my Nigerian relative telling me that I just need my bank account information so they can transfer my million dollars to me. I I wouldn't uh, mark that one as not spam. Oh, okay. Uh, Just to be safe. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available where you live or work. Text RADIO to 35000 if you'd like more info. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. Dawn in Middletown, Delaware, listens on Delaware's news radio, WDEL. Welcome into tomorrow, Don. I was looking into purchasing a laptop, and I wanted to get as much memory as possible. Looking at the one terabyte HHD, which I um, believe it's a mechanical hard drive. And then out comes these devices, laptops with say 256 SSD and I asked the clerk what the difference was and she said the SSD is a solid state device and the HD is a mechanical hard drive okay my question is how does the uh, the uh, mechanical hard drives equate to a memory quantity as the SSD cards well Don they're very good questions as a matter of fact the storage capacity is what the number says on both SSDs and HDDs, so solid-state drives and hard disk drives. In this case, the one-terabyte hard disk drive will be able to store roughly four times the data that the 256-gigabit solid-state drive can hold. Now, you'll find that traditional hard disk drives are cheaper than solid-state drives of similar capacity, and there's a good reason for that. Yeah, SSD are much, much faster, particularly their read speed is much faster. The difference is enough to be easily noticeable by regular users. If you swap out an HDD for an SSD, it often feels like you upgraded the RAM. The computer just feels much faster. Uh, If what you're looking for is the most storage you can get for your money, uh, the HDD is the way to go. Uh, But since you're purchasing a new laptop, you may want to have a good look at computers equipped with SSD, too, just because of how much better the performance is. Um, If you don't want to spend the money on a one-terabyte SSD, you can still use an external drive to expand your storage, and the benefits in how quickly the laptop boots up and generally operates will be very noticeable. Yeah, we've said since they've come out, since before they've come out, really, when we had some initial uh, test units and evaluation review units, Once you go SSD, you never go back. Uh, With the exception, like Chris has a lot of hard disk drives in the control room where you store video, including raw stuff and final product and so forth, because that's fine and it can just sit there. It's not being abused or banged around or traveling, that kind of stuff. And the hard disk drives are far cheaper and bigger, so it's easy to store stuff. So keep that in mind. IntoTomorrow.com for more. Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. 
to participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7. Use our free Into Tomorrow app for your iPhone, Android, and Netbooks. Available in your app store or call 1-800-899-INTO. That's 1-800-899-4686. Be sure to visit our website anytime to read our show notes and watch our ITTV videos at intotomorrow.com. And join us next week as we bring you further Into Tomorrow. 